So this definitely isn't the podcast that I plan to do. And there's this part of me that doesn't even want to do it. But given the heaviness of my heart, it tells me I need to do it. I I have to talk about diversity, the sip everyone needs to take. Everyone needs a dose of reality. Everyone needs a dose of reality to shift societal mentality that contributes to racism. We all need to be outraged by racism. But I question, what's the shift that needs to occur in order to get society to begin a new narrative? Over and over, we keep seeing racial inequities within our criminal justice system. And these inequities are leading to life-threatening and fatal events. One of the most recent fatal events broke me down. And since there's been so many lately, let me specify, I'm speaking on George Floyd. For those of you who haven't seen or heard about George Floyd, well, he was a black man in Minneapolis. And while he was being arrested due to allegedly trying to use forged documents in a local deli, the police forcibly removed him from his car, manhandled him, and held him down on the floor with one of the officer's knees on his neck. George Floyd pled for his life, stating, and I quote, Please, I can't breathe. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. They're going to kill me. This man is caught on film, pleading for his life. Onlookers are pleading for the man's life. Some of them saying, you're going to kill him. He's no longer responsive. But all the while, the officer held his knee on the man's neck, ultimately killing him. So yeah, after seeing this video, this all too familiar video, I found myself unable to sleep. And ultimately, I broke down in tears. At that moment, I started journaling, and one of the things I wrote is the following. This broke me, not because it's anything new, but because it is not new. This is a continuation of the oppressive society in which we live. This broke me because a man pled for his life, onlookers pled for this man's life, and yet his black body was still held down until all signs of life were gone. What a representation of our broken society. This broke me because I could see myself in this man, my brother, my sister, my father, any black body interchangeably. This broke me because I am human. This broke me because a man is dead who didn't have to die. This broke me because this is reality. I remember reading once that we are all products and participants in a society that's embedded with racist ideology. Well, I don't want to keep participating in this type of society. I'm tired. I'm so very tired. And this broke me. And now I have to spend time putting myself back together again. But I'm wondering how many more times am I going to have to put myself back together again? I'm tired. And you know what? As exhausted as I get, I have to figure out a way to put myself back together again and keep going, keep moving through a society that is ultimately set up to break me. 
So I suppose this episode, this podcast, is part of me putting myself back together again. This is me speaking on the atrocities that are occurring in our society. I'm beginning to look at Black people, Black men, as being an endangered species. You know, at first thought, I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is an exaggerated thought or taking a description too far. But but when I look up the definition of endangered species, part of that definition says that is any species that is in jeopardy as a result of human activity. Think about that. Other aspects of the definition of endangered species says it includes a group that's threatened with extinction or destruction. Think about that. And another aspect of this definition is that there's factors that include overhunting or intentional extermination. So based on my understanding of the definition of endangered species, I decided that our society is placing Black people at risk of becoming an endangered species. I decided that my description is is actually accurate. You heard me say earlier something that I read, that we are all products and participants in a society that is embedded with racist ideology. And essentially, that society is systemic racism. What systemic racism is, is it's a system of advantage that's based on race, and it's supported by institutional structures, policies, and practices, all that creates and sustain benefits for the white dominant group. And it also structures discrimination, oppression, and disadvantage for people of color. This is our system. This is our society. A society that's embedded with a broken system. And it's a system of brokenness that all can identify with. But only few will acknowledge and even fewer will be willing to step up and do anything to heal it. You know, in the same day of the things that happened with George Floyd, there was an incident in a park. There was a white woman in Central Park who was asked by a black man to put her dog on a leash. Simple request. Simple request that is required, by the way. And so as he's recording her irate reaction, she tells him, I'm calling the police and I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. I have to repeat that because I really want you to understand the nature of what occurred. There was a white woman in Central Park and she was asked by a black man to put her dog on a leash. And in her irate reaction, she says, I'm going to call the police and tell them a lie. I'm going to call the police and tell them that there's an African-American man threatening my life. She knew she was operating under systemic racism and was using that to her favor. She knew that those key words, African-American man threatening, was enough to set this man up for risk of being killed by the very people who are supposed to protect and serve. Remember what I said about endangered species. You know, it's lies like those that have historically led to situations like the death of Emmett Till. If you don't know about Emmett Till, let me tell you. He was a 14-year-old black boy 
who was brutally murdered as a result of a white woman fabricating a story that led to her husband and his half-brother brutally, mercilessly mutilating him, gouging out one of his eyes, and then shooting and killing him. Then they tied his body to a large industrial fan and dumped him in a nearby river. That was their value of a black body. And to make matters worse, if you're wondering if these two men responsible for this brutal act were held accountable, let me tell you a little bit about what happened during the closing arguments of the murder trial. In his closing statements, defense attorney for these two men advised the all-white jury that if they convicted the two white men responsible for Till's murder, I quote, your ancestors will turn over in their grave, and I'm sure every last Anglo-Saxon one of you has the courage to free these men. The jury deliberated for all of 66 minutes before acquitting both men. That happened in 1955. And sure, it's 2020. New year, same story. In fact, since then, and even before then, there are multiple same stories. Philandro Castile, 2016, killed by an officer. Officer was acquitted. Terrence Crutcher, 2016, unarmed, killed by a white officer. Officer found not guilty. Paul O'Neill, 2015, unarmed, killed by an officer. The officer was never charged. Eric Garner, unarmed, strangled to death by white officer, and the officer was never charged. This list can just keep going on and on. I'm just naming a few. The last one I'll name is Michael Brown, 2014, unarmed, killed by a white officer. The officer, not charged. There's a book called Between the World and Me. And it's essentially a letter from a black father to his black son. And I want to recite a part from that book in which the author says, and I quote, that was the week you learned that the killers of Michael Brown would go free. The men who had left his body in the street like an awesome declaration of their inviolable power would never be punished. It was not my expectation anyone would ever be punished. But you were young and still believed. You'd stayed up until 11 p.m. that night, waiting for the announcement of an indictment. And when instead it was announced that there was none, you said, I've got to go. And you went into your room, and I heard you crying. I came in five minutes after, and I didn't hug you, and I didn't comfort you, because I thought it would be wrong to comfort you. I did not tell you that it would be okay because I have never believed it would be okay. What I told you is what your grandparents tried to tell me, that this is your country, that this is your world, that this is your body, and you must find some way to live within the all of it. The question of how one should live within a black body, within a country lost in a dream, is the question of my life. And the pursuit of this question I have found ultimately answers itself, end quote. That excerpt from this book touches on so many emotions for me. 
And I think it's because it hits on this harsh truth of what it means to be Black, and even more so, what it means to prepare a Black child how to navigate through this world that is embedded with racist ideology. I can't stress enough to you how much this newest incident weighs so heavy on my heart. It broke me. And it's not because it's new, not because it's the worst we've ever seen, but because it's so much more of the same and I'm so tired. And when I first woke up and said, this is the episode that I have to do, I was trying to think of how to do this episode without coming across as an angry Black woman. But you know what? I am angry. And more than that, I'm hurt. And it's not because I'm a Black woman. It's because I am human. And in your own humanity, you should be angry and hurt too. And if you're not, then you need to check your heart because I guarantee you it's cold. Change will never come if we allow ourselves to be so desensitized that we no longer have a fire in our heart to acknowledge wrong for wrong, when we no longer have a fire in our heart to stand up for what's right. At this point, I'm at a loss for words. So what I'll end on is saying that that I agree with something that Will Smith said, where he says, Racism isn't getting worse. It's just being filmed. Hold on to that thought. There is nothing new about the devaluation of Black lives in American history. And in fact, the only progression is in furthering the confirmation of the lack of value for Black life. I mean, even with there being recorded evidence of the disparities and inequities, wrongful deaths and murders, there's still no justice, and it still keeps happening. This leaves my human spirit in unrest. I'm so tired of living in a world that's constantly setting me up and others like me to be broken. I'm ready to heal. It's time we heal. Healing Mentality is going to be doing a series of episodes with a specific flavor. Diversity. It's necessary. Society has got to change this bitter flavor. It's gotten old.